to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Who are you? And should you be apologizing for that? On today's episode, we're going to talk to the author of Being Unapologetic, who would clearly let you know that we don't need to apologize for who we are. But the other thing we're going to dive into is how important it is to be self-aware of who you are. What I really want to encourage you this week as we talk about self-awareness and being unapologetic for who we are, what I, what I want you to also take away from this is, is the need to understand who you are, the need to recognize that you cannot go through life as a victim, but that you've got to have the self-awareness, the self-realization, the ability to recognize yourself as the solution to the challenges that come your way. That there are times that you're going to face a situation and you're going to know I'm the problem here, especially as a leader in an organization. Many times you are the problem, but here's the beauty. You also are the solution. So what's the perception you're going to take whenever you're running into this challenge? When you hit this roadblock, when you hit this wall, is it that I'm the problem? Yeah, maybe, but I'm also the solution. And it's going to come through self-awareness and understanding who we are and being comfortable in our own skin. This is a this is a critical characteristic for a leader to really understand who they are, to understand the perception that people have of them, to be able to relate and communicate through that. So this week, we're going to encourage you to not apologize for who you are, but be comfortable with who you are and use that information to be able to solve problems, to get through challenges and to recognize that you're not the victim, but that you're actually part of the solution. As always, I want to thank you for checking out this week's episode. I want to encourage you to click the subscribe button and make sure that you're getting every episode that we have coming out. Uh, you can do that through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you have any questions or comments, we would absolutely love to hear it. And you can reach us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Thanks so much and have an amazing day. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Uh, really excited to share some information from our guest today. He and I had a chance to meet a few weeks ago and um, uh, got just some great kind of inspiration about uh, what he's doing and how he's helping others uh, through a book that he launched last year. So uh, I'm not going to steal the spotlight here, David. Why don't you uh, kind of share with us? I mean, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. And but um, but you know, share with us a little bit about your journey and what that's looked like. Like and, and what has led to where you are now? Well, thank you, Kyle, for having me. And um, gosh, the journey. It's always difficult to answer that question because I'm one of those guys who people look at their who look at my resume are like, wait, how old are you? <laughs> so I have, I have that kind of a problem. But yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, you know, I started as a composer and a musical director. Mm -hmm. And um, my first show was when I was 16 as a musical director. I published a musical when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And that sort of launched my career in this performing, working with high performing individuals. Yeah. Uh, from a young age. And so I ran a successful theater production company. I'm originally from Toronto. And mm -hmm. while I was doing that, I decided I wanted to do some good in the world. So I became a teacher, which made my parents very, very happy. Sure. So I was the head of a high school music department for about 10 years mm -hmm. while I was still running the theater production company and pitching television shows. Then I decided I wanted to open a yoga studio in all mm -hmm. of that because I thought a brick and mortar business was where it was at. <laughs> that was the worst experience of my life, but that's yeah. a story for another time. But um, 
I, you know, so I've sort of had this unique combination of performance, production, education, mm-hmm. personal development that I've put all together. And I ultimately got tired of the cold. Anyone who's from the North or the Northeast knows what I'm <laughs> talking about. And I decided I wanted to move. And ultimately I landed in San Diego, which is where I live now mm-hmm. and dream come true. And I, um, had to start over, I guess. I had to figure out. I was like, okay, well, yeah. I've always been an entrepreneur. I want to I want to help people. So that's how I kind of landed with working with performers, presenters, speakers, leaders who have mm-hmm. a big message and want to get it out there in the world. Yeah. And I just kind of learned from scratch how to be only an entrepreneur without a safety net. Yeah. Um, but along the way, I learned a lot of really cool stuff that applies to anybody, whether it's students, teachers, CEOs, executives, employees, celebrities, Yeah, um, that just helps people to really create the success that they want in a right. sustainable way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, I, I like, you know, as we've had a chance to talk through some things is um, how well the concepts and the principles transfer. Uh, you know, and obviously the main, the main audience that you're working with are, um, uh, you know, are people that have a message to get out, but, but the, um, the principles that you talk about are, are very transferable to anybody, to your point, entry-level employee, um, uh, on up to, uh, you know, executive leadership. So, um, to that point, tell us a little bit about, uh, the book. So the book launched about a year ago. Um, and, um, uh, tell us about, about what led you to think, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put a book out there. Um, and what led to kind of the concepts that you share in your book? So being unapologetic is a personal reminder to me Mm -hmm. because I've spent most of my life apologetic, Mm. partly because I'm Canadian and that's just what we do. We (laughs) apologize for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece is actually we're coming up on in the, in a few days, uh, the 10 year anniversary of me being disowned by my biological family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was 33 and I had moved to the Arctic, believe it or not, wow. where there were polar bears. And I realized there ultimately that I was the problem in my life. Hmm. And the good news was, if I was the problem, maybe I was also the solution. Yeah. And that's when this started coming to me. What if I started to change who I was being yeah. to the world? And what if being unapologetic, being unapologetically me, mm-hmm. was the key to mm. all of this? And so I started to experiment. And eventually I landed on being unapologetic as a title for a book. And that's when I started to compile. And it took, you know, it took 10 years of building the confidence, nine years of building the confidence that like, does anyone really want to hear my story? Like, who cares? Because I thought, why does anyone want to hear my story? And I met a mentor who's published multiple books. And he said, David, you've got to get your story out there. It's like, this is amazing. And it's not just your story. You actually are, you have something to say. You've learned a lot. Across right. multiple industries, so you need to share that. And so, yeah, I um, I sat down and wrote the book, yeah. and I remember sending it to the editor and apologizing because <laughs> this guy's a PhD, right? He's edited like thousands of books. Yeah, knows his stuff. Yeah, he's you know highly acclaimed, and and I thought, oh God, this is I'm I'm so sorry, uh, you know that you have to read this. Yeah, and. I was so petrified. I think it was about two weeks, 10 days or so. And he, he got back to me and he said, David, like, 
this is actually really good. I really wow. learned a lot. Thank you so much. And wow. I looked at, you know, they redline it and everything. There yeah. weren't that many changes. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I do have something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's been, so it's been quite a year. So uh, something I want to go back to that you mentioned really early on, because um, uh, I, I realized being Canadian, maybe you don't uh, see this quite as well as I do being uh, born and raised American, but you've been here long enough. I would imagine you've experienced this. We do not live in a culture that promotes self-awareness and personal responsibility. And um, what you just described is really uh, really goes against the grain of, of the victim mentality, and especially through some of the the hardships that you faced. To say, wait a second, this is me. I've got to be proud of who that is. But to your point, and I love the statement that you made there. Maybe I also am the solution. Um, so I want to dive into that for just a second because it really I, I love it. I think it's great. I, I wish that that was something that people were more open about understanding is that that personal responsibility, but. Um, early on, especially as you were still maybe sort of on the fence and trying to figure this out, you had to have people around you that were saying, well, no, 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 David, you're not the problem. Look at these circumstances around you. So how did you break through that and really understand, um, I'm not the problem. I'm the solution. I, I've got to be, I've got to be unapologetic about who I am. I tapped into my own intuition. And mm -hmm. when I, for example, like with my, my family situation, it didn't, there was no blame. Mm -hmm. They, they, the reason they disowned me is because that was their level of understanding. Right. It wasn't because there was no, you know what I mean? Like, so it didn't feel right for me to blame them. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, so if that doesn't feel good, I need to take some ownership here. In fact, I need to take all the ownership because mm -hmm. nobody is going to change anything for me unless I change right. it for myself. Mm -hmm. The other example I can give is, um, and it was a very clear moment for me. So in 2011, mm -hmm. my house was struck by lightning and burnt to the ground. Mm. And as I stood watching my house burn down, I realized, oh, I asked for this in a strange way. So the business was not doing well. The yoga studio was not doing well. And every night for six months before I went to bed, I started to wonder what would it be like if I could start over again? Mm. Every single night before I went to bed, what would it be like? I just want to like a clean slate, clean slate. Let me start over. I right. just want to start new. You get what you ask for because you put that energy out there. I truly believe. And I thought, okay, well now I've got to take responsibility yeah. for what's happened here. And I get to the way that I want. Be the person, because that's what I've noticed. And again, this goes back to musical theater and how it transfers across industries, right? Right. In musical theater, I realized, okay, these people are singing lyrics, which are gibberish if you read them. <laughs> and so how do you get them to, to deliver honestly so people will understand the story right. and the feeling? Well, it's about who you are being. It's about that level of uh, internal charisma that they put out there, that energy that they put out there, right? Mm -hmm. And so, okay, well, what if I changed who I was being? And I'll give you one other hilarious little example. One of the changes for me in the Arctic actually happened because of a dog. And the dog, I was house-sitting, and there was this little Pomeranian who had an ulcer who was giving me an ulcer. Yeah. And... Toby, the Pomeranian, lovely little being, um, we were not getting along and he bit me and it, it was just a train wreck. So one yeah. night I said to Toby, I said, Toby, tomorrow we're going to have a, a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. 
and um, I'm going to love you unconditionally. Yeah. So the next day I did that. And I, and by the end of that day, Toby was wrapped up in my lap, giving me like, you know, sugar, giving me dog kisses. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I changed me. And all of a sudden this creature is treating right. me differently. Mm-hmm. Well, does that work on people? Mm-hmm. So that's how I started to make the whole shift. And it is insane the amount of control, actually, believe it or not, it is control that you can use for good or bad. I use it for good. Amount of control that you have in your life and in your whole environment when you take 100% responsibility for who you were being and, and right. what you can create for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I what I like about that message is... Um, you know, that's something that I think if people understood more to your exact point there, that is absolutely transferable to people. You know, we, we see it, um, uh, you know, in, in, in relationships all the time that, uh, and this, there's just tension and whether that's a, whether that's a marriage relationship, whether that's a friendship, whether that's just acquaintances across town, but there's just this tension and all it generally takes when there's this tension is for one person to say, I'm going to let that go. In fact, I'm going to try to serve this person better. I'm going to try to um, care for them in a different way. Um, That all of a sudden, I mean, it's it's not even a a six month process. It's almost immediate that that whole thing starts to shift and that tension starts to go away. And um, you know, we've had the privilege of seeing marriages saved from things like this, and and uh, friendships resolved, and family member, you know, estranged family members come back together. Um, because of this, just this mindset to say, you know what, I'm going to quit blaming on them. Well, they're this and they're that and they're the other, and I don't like them because of it. But instead, um, saying, you know what, I'm I'm going to make the decision to care for them. Yeah. I'm going to make the decision to love them, and I'm going to do it every day. And um, the beauty of that is, um, even if they don't change, doesn't stress you out anymore. It right, it, it's a relief. Yes, and see, that's the key. So if arguments are you know, you can't avoid them sometimes, but if in an argument, what comes out of your mouth is only about you. Mm -hmm. I'm trying my best. I don't know what this is about. I don't know, you know, how can I support now? How can I support you? But it's about you. How can I support you? Right. You're all, you're taking responsibility. Well, then all of a sudden the person realizes like, wait, maybe, you know, cause something might be going wrong. So here's something that transfers from the education world. Yeah. Uh, we learn in education, kids do well if they can. Hmm. Mm-hmm. If they're not doing well, something is in their way. Yeah. Your job is to figure out or support them into figuring out what's in the way. Right. Right. So, you know, and in the workplace, this will all the time, right? Like instead of combating each other, going into combat, what if you realize and you just took that human approach is what I heard you say, which I love is like, it, this is about humans. Hey, are you okay? Right. What can I do to make this better for you or whatever the case may be? Go back mm-hmm. right to the heart of the matter. Because at the end of the day, we all want to do well. We all want to be happy. We all want to be successful. Right. So if we believe that, then things would be way easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what are you finding, you know, you have an opportunity to work with a lot of uh, leaders in different capacities. What do you find some of those roadblocks are, or um, uh, what are some of the things that prevent us that, that kind of negative thinking that prevents us from operating at our fullest potential? 
Well, I think uh, we really hit the big one is the whole responsibility piece. I think it's it's the the victim is that yeah. they did this to me. No, you did it to yourself. Yeah. You either put yourself in an environment, you put yourself in a situation, maybe maybe you're in a in a situation where you're not actually talking to people. Mhm. You're talking to employees or you're mm-hmm. talking to, you know, pieces of a system. Right. But they just want you to know, like, so this is what makes a difference when you acknowledge people. I'm not talking about you acknowledging your employees for being employees. I'm talking about you acknowledging your employees for being people, people. Yeah. with families yeah. and struggles and celebrations. And when you acknowledge people for who they are, not for what right. they're doing, for who they right. are, all of a sudden everything changes. Yeah. And I learned this in the music classroom. Like my kids did not become better musicians until I started to acknowledge them as people and ask them what was going on in their life outside of music. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden they started becoming better musicians and I'm like, well, this is Pandora's box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, a couple of things that we talk a lot about um, in our model and especially in our, our kind of leadership training model, the very, in fact, the absolute very first thing we ever talk about in building this foundation of leadership is selflessness. And we've got to be selfless. And um, we, we have to recognize that when we take responsibility for someone else's career, future, whatever, we, when we step into that management or leadership role, we have to be putting them first. But the other thing I like that you said there, and the way that we talk about it oftentimes is sociability as one of our four kind of principles of leadership. Um, and and what that means is that it goes beyond um, accepting sociability, meaning we're not just tolerating it. We're not seeing people stand around the coffee machine and talk and walk by and roll our eyes. But when we see that, we're engaging with our team because when we do that, to your point, we're getting to know who they are. They're getting to know who we are. Now, when we run into um, a challenge in the workplace, they're not just helping us because it's their job. They're helping us because they care about us. We aren't just helping them because, well, you know, they're an employee and so I've got to do something for them. We're helping them because we recognize and understand the challenges in the life that they are living. Um, and so what you can do as a leader when you can create that type of culture and that type of environment is now everybody's working for everybody else, not we're working for the benefit of everybody else, not just saying, well, this is my department. And so this is what I'm going to do because this didn't impact my department. Well, it may not have impacted my department, but it impacted David. And I like David, we're friends. And so I want to do something to help him out in this situation. Um, and it's, it's, there's so much cohesive relationship building that can happen when we take on that mentality. But if the leader in the organization does not encourage it and participate in it, it'll never happen. We can't say, oh, we want everybody to be well-connected, but I'm standoffish and I'm going to stay away. We've got to be a part of that to set the example to say, this is important in our environment. Building yeah. building um, relationships is important in our environment. And so I, I love the way that you... Um, are able to kind of integrate that into, you know, this, this unapologetic approach. Yeah. And you really, I just want to acknowledge something that you said there that is so important. I don't want people to miss this piece. You have to model it, right? This isn't something that you, you teach other people to do Mm -hmm. and expect it to happen. You have to be it. Right. People will do maybe 10% of what you put out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I learned this in network marketing, actually. (laughs) And in network marketing, you're going to like, you're going to be crushing it, whatever. And your team is going to be like, you know, okay, I don't know. I think I still think this is a scam. You know, like, so you have to be larger than life and model these behaviors. Yeah. 
want. So you have to walk into the office or into your environment and talk to people. You have to notice and appreciate people for their everyday little things that they're doing and who they're being. Edify people always. Welcome people into a room. Notice them when they're missing and notice them when they return, right? Little things like that. And then it'll trickle through. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing that happens, especially leaders, and again, a lot of these are very transferable, but talking about the impact this has in leaders in, in business or in organizations is the other thing that we, the way that we call it is the manager's mirror and understanding that your team is always going to reflect you as a leader. And so, um, the way that I typically train it when I'm going through these workshops is, you know, let's, so step back and think about what are the two or three things about your team or your organization that you don't like? Um, you know, maybe we're, we're not incredibly prompt where our customer service is a little down. Uh, I don't like the way we communicate with our clients, whatever it is. Now reflect on that real quick, look in that mirror and reflect, what have I done to show them, to model for them exactly what this needs to be because chances are you are not real prompt, you don't provide excellent customer service, and you don't communicate with your clients very well. And that's the reason your team, because you've set up to say, this is okay. This is how we do things here. And, and so it's accepting that level of self-awareness and that, or that, that personal responsibility there as well to say, what I am doing is being reflected by everybody around me. I can't get frustrated with it until I change it, until I make a deliberate decision to change it. And then after I change it, then maybe I can go back and communicate it, but I'm going to communicate it first by doing, and then I can let them know, here are some initiatives we want to put in place. And what an amazing celebration to know is like to be able to look in the mirror and be like, oh, maybe I haven't been, you know, as engaged as I should be. Maybe I haven't been as prompt as I should be. What an amazing celebration to acknowledge the power in that. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, Mm -hmm. well then easy. I can change this immediately. Right. There's right. no there's no lag time. There's no implementation process. Yeah. Right? It's instant that you can start talking to people. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. Like this doesn't this doesn't require, you know, multiple people doing a, an assessment or whatever. It's right. each person being choosing to be something different. And mm-hmm. it is infectious. Like as yeah. you start to do it, it catches on. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I really like that. So I'm sure that, you know, through the course, especially as you've released the book and you've had a chance to, to you know, be in front of millions of people through this, you know, TED and TED Talks and everything else, um, you've seen and experienced and heard some success stories. Uh, some people that, have, uh, that have, have read the words that you've put out there and the impact that it's had on their life. So can you share one or two of those with us, you know, just some things that maybe have really made an impact on you because of how you know the impact you've made on them? Well, there's one person that I'm working with currently, actually. And um, this is a person who came to an event that I was speaking at, the Motherhood Rewritten Conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, because... I mean, of course. Because why not? Right. right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's obviously a shoe in. <laughs> I told them, I said, well, you do realize that I am like a male and I don't, I'm not a yeah. mother. Yeah. yeah. They loved it. And I, I'm glad uh, that I said yes, because it was a great opportunity. Well, yeah. this woman basically came in and they had a, a prize package going on and she won um, uh, the mother of all prizes, of course, mm-hmm. branding. Right. And um, it, basically I was on the panel to pick who this person would be, someone who had a message to share with the world. She's just absolutely extraordinary. Well, so we've been mentoring for a little while. I've been mentoring her for three months or so. Mm -hmm. And basically I get on a 30 minute call with her every week. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a lot of work that we do, but there's like, I'm going right to the heart. I'm being unapologetic. We're going right to the heart of the matter. And I've got to tell you, Kyle, like, 
to watch somebody who already cares, already has a message, but just maybe lost their way, doesn't have the complete confidence, is comparing mm-hmm. themselves to the rest of the world. Yes. You give them a little bit of encouragement in who they're being to go yeah. after who they're being and to expose the ugly stuff mm. in their life for themselves and to look at it and not run away from it, but to look at it, right. everything changes. And she's now starting to speak on stages and mm. um, uh, right. like actually monetize herself as, a, yeah. as an entity, as a speaker. It's incredibly satisfying. And like I said, it doesn't take a ton of work. There's right. no big year-long something. There's no <laughs> group program she needs to be a part of. It's just 30 minutes of human connection yeah. That is intentional every week will make a big difference. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I'm really starting to change the way recently I had some people approach me who work for a, a very successful brick and mortar style business here in mm-hmm. town who wanted me to coach their teams. Now, mm-hmm. what they identified to me was that nobody is the problem. The issue is that they're not communicating and people don't want to bring ideas up because there's feelings or hurt and yeah. whatever. Well, they think they're going to solve it with group coaching. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, you can throw all your money and time that you want at group coaching, but all you're going to do is create more resentment. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that the people are not feeling comfortable talking to each other. (laughs) So we're going to force them to talk to each other. (laughs) That makes no sense. With a stranger, a coach now. And you also told me, because I want, especially people who are in organizations to hear this, you also told me that you fired your last coaches because you figured out what to say to get them off your back. Mm. Mm -hmm. So wait a minute, but now you want more group coaching because they think it's economical or whatever, like for time or money or whatever. And I'm like, no, human individual people, your people are not feeling heard. That's it. So they need somebody to get them to realize, like, if you want to be heard, you got to put your big boy pants on and take responsibility for it and just be heard and be unapologetically you. Yeah. And not worry about all the other feelings that are made up anyway. (laughs) So little things like that, right? Like I'm starting to change the way that I work with organizations too, because I'm seeing that you can't, this is not, I love keynote speaking. You know, Mm -hmm. we both love to speak in front of great big groups of people. But what I love even more after that is having that 15 minute conversation or keeping in touch with that person because right. that makes the real difference. That's that's right. Yeah, no, you are exactly right. That's the best part of speaking is is the people that come up afterwards and you can c- create that connection because you know, I mean, when you get up in front of a big group of people and you share these ideas, um, other than seeing some heads nod, it's hard to know, is this... Is anybody hearing me? Like, is this making a difference? Is this impacting? And that that opportunity when people have the opportunity to come up afterwards and say, "Hey, what you said there, gosh, I can, I can name the people in my business that that, that feels like, or I can go back to a time when I did this, or I know I need to make a change and I haven't figured out what it is. This has really helped me. Those personal connections are what make that make it all kind of make sense of sorts. And because remember, as a leader, I don't care how effective you think you are as a speaker, as a communicator, as a leader. It's irrelevant mm-hmm. because you cannot control how people receive that information. Right. You don't know what their filter is. That's you right. don't know what they're interpreting. Right. The only way you can know is if you ask questions and mm-hmm. engage with someone and they open up and tell you. Right. That's and you right. don't, I mean, in speaking in general, it's, 
it's not a one-way conversation, but it is more one way than, you know, yeah. you're not actually getting the feedback from everybody in the audience other than right. the nods or the laughs or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you've got to go in. In your staff meetings, uh, connect with people, go to their cube, go to the, whatever it is, like right. one-on-one. -on -one. You'll yeah. get more information than you'll ever get in a staff meeting because people feel like, oh, I don't want to talk. I don't, right. I just, this over with. I have work to do. I have a deadline. That's right. Yeah. Talk yeah. to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. The, uh, what you can learn, what you can learn if you're willing to talk to people and really, really build up that relationship. Um, David, one of the thing that I want to, uh, dive into here just a little bit is, you know, one of the things that I've noticed and I, I myself have had this challenge before where it, it took me a long time to kind of realize that maybe my mind thinks differently. You know, I, I just, I think through things differently. And I think that's oftentimes the case, um, whenever, especially for those that are out trying to share information that are trying to, to share a concept or share a story is we, to us, it's common sense. You know, it's like to us, like, well, this just makes sense. Nobody wants to hear that. Everybody already knows this. Um, and, and, and I know it's taken me a long time to figure out, oh, wait a second. You know, like I'm telling, I'll open my mouth and I'll say something and be like, That's I mean, everybody knows this. I don't know why I'm bothering saying it. And it's not until you have enough people saying, oh my gosh, well, I've never thought about it that way before it finally starts to hit. But for someone that's maybe in the early stages of that, where they're saying, why does, why is no one else doing what I know needs to be done? Um, what do you say to them? How do you kind of help them here understand that you do have something to share? You do have, you are able to make an impact. Um, you are able to lead differently. How do you help people get over that initial hurdle to understand? Don't assume that just because it's in your brain that everybody else already knows it, that you were, you were created differently and you've got something up here that others may need to be aware of. Yeah. And it's, thank you so much. Cause this is the perfect lead in. It's going to be my second book. Oh, perfect. My TEDx talk. <laughs> the title is overcoming comparanoia and uh -huh. overcoming comparanoia. See, people think that it's only about comparison. Yeah. But the, the other thing is like, let's stop trying to be unique. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's be, because trying to be unique is a problem right. because all of a sudden now you're trying to isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. What if you were just trying to be unique to you? You have a message, a perspective, a life experience that is unique to you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to have summited Everest, right. right? Right. But you have an experience that you can communicate things that other people, no one else has had your experience, mm -hmm. period. So what if, and this is how I like to put it to people, because it's a matter of life and death. Yeah. There is a message that only you can deliver mm. that someone is waiting to hear. Only you. Yeah. And it is the difference between that person choosing to live or not live. Right. Especially in the work that I do with teens, confidence, bullying, it mm -hmm. is a matter of life and death. And so right. if you share your experience and your perspective with people, and instead of trying to be, you know, my friends and I joke about this, we call some people the book of knowledge. <laughs> instead of trying to be the book of knowledge, I mean, anyone who's like under 30 won't know what that is, but yeah. you and I probably remember, and you know, the yeah. encyclopedias and the book of knowledge. Yeah. Instead of being the book of knowledge, like be the book of questions, find yeah. out, ask questions about people. And again, it comes down to responsibility. Instead of assuming that everybody knows that this is common sense, right? what if they don't get it? Mm -hmm. What if you just ask a question instead of making a statement Yeah, and finding out like, do people get it? Is right. this the way they do it? Do they do it another way? Why do they do it another way? Mm -hmm. 
have they ever thought of doing it this way? Yeah. Simple, right? right? And now you're creating community, inclusion. Right. You're creating an opportunity for dialogue and right. more relationship and rapport. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always a win when you decide to go that extra step and find out more about people. Right. And I, and I think, you know, what, what I have found to be one of the easiest things is exactly what you said there. One of the easiest things to figure out, like, am I saying something that you already know, or am I giving you some new information right. is to ask just simply, okay, so have you ever thought about, um, doing it this way? Or have you ever tried doing, you're not saying, listen to this brilliant thing that I've got. You're saying, Hey, here's another idea. Just want to make sure you've gone down that path before. And when, when they say, no, I don't know. What would that look like? Right. Okay. Well, now you are sharing value. You are giving them something that they hadn't heard before that, that right. helps. And so, you know, if, if you're in that situation where uh, that comparanoia, which I, I love that term, um, you know, where you're saying, well, gosh, I, you know, these other people are, are pretty smart and I don't know if I'm going to really share anything of any value to these people. Well, that's a way to not look stupid. You know, you don't feel stupid. Just ask, have you ever thought about doing no. this? Have you ever and considered this path? Uh, they're going to love that you're asking right? because how many of us have been in, at, a, at a talk, at a training, and they just go through and you're like, or you get on a sale. My favorite lately right. is you get on a sales call or something <laughs> and they, they're telling you, you know, you've seen them speak and then they tell you their whole story again. And I'm like, yeah, but right. I, I heard you. Like, I know that part. Like, can we right. just get to it? You right. Know? Right. So again, here, I learned this in education. In teaching, we, those are called diagnostic assessments. Mm-hmm. You have to diagnose who you're talking to all the time right? by asking questions. Do you know this? Now, you have to do your research. So mm-hmm. I knew for yeah. ninth grade music students, mm-hmm. 98% of them actually didn't know how to read music. Sure. They learned yeah. some trick. Right. And so I, I would check with my classes and I, I just knew, and I said, okay, we've got to go back to kindergarten of music. Right. And right. we took a week, but I always checked in with them. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? And they did ne- never, because I, the reason I knew is because I graduated from university. I got my degree mm-hmm. and I realized I actually didn't understand the fine details of why the system of music was created the way it was. Hmm. And I thought, well, what if I actually taught kids that this is a simple grid system, for example, right. yeah, things that people take for granted. Right. And every time, like those kids for 10 years that I was teaching were like, why did nobody ever teach me this before? Right. Right. They kind of jumped so past that. Remember, yeah. who's the, um, uh, I'm not a sports person, the football guy who's like, this is a football. Who's that? Oh, yeah. Vince Lombardi, I believe, was right. the one that did that. Vince yeah. Lombardi. This yeah. Is we're going back to the basics. <laughs> These yeah. are like the top of the game, the top yeah. of the top of the top. Yeah. This is the football. Are you kidding me? But see, he did his research yeah. and he understood that nobody actually talks about the, the basic, basic fundamentals because yeah. that's the only thing that is going to win the championship at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah. You do the fundamental things better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I just want to invite people to know that all Vince Lombardi did was built trust, rapport, relationship with those guys, and they trusted him to the end of oh, earth. They did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's and right. Jesus did the same thing. Whether we believe it or not, he did mm-hmm. the same thing. He got 12 people to believe in him unquestionably, and yeah. he left a multi-thousand-year legacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
That's right. And if nothing else, a bestseller. That's you know? really good. Well, definitely that for yeah. years, for centuries. <laughs> yeah. Well, David, this is uh, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time and just sharing this information. Obviously, if people want to dive into this, they need to check out the book. So tell us, how can we learn more about you and what you're doing and, uh, and, and get a copy of the book? Yeah, beingunapologetic.com. You can connect with me across all my social platforms. I love Instagram. Please say hi. I actually do reply to all of my messages personally. Yeah, I'm one of those good. weird people who does that. If you email me off my website or something, I will actually reply. Right. So yeah, beingunapologetic.com. You can grab a copy of the book. You can connect with me mm-hmm. um, and we can make some magic together and get to know each other. <laughs> Perfect. Well, David, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. I hope everyone takes some of this information and kind of internalizes it. There's always something in our world, in our life. There's an area that we need to improve. And oftentimes it, 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 it almost always pushes back to that self-awareness, taking responsibility and figuring out who we are really and the impact we can have on others when we understand that. So um, I really appreciate you sharing and I hope others uh, uh, are able to take something amazing away from this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cal. So great to be here. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Yeah.